everyone, welcome to The Person Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen, and I'm glad you're back with us this week. For our guest is Brian Ziola. Brian is a comedian and writer who channels his own inadequacies in ordinary life through personal anecdotes sprinkled with intense honesty, act-outs, and some yelling, but not too much. A 2014 nominee for Best Comedian by Free Press Houston, Brian has performed with Dimitri Martin, Neil Brennan, co-creator, head writer of The Chappelle Show, and Doug Stanhope, among others. He began touring in 2014 as a host and a feature comedian on the Altercation Punk Comedy Tour, as well as a co-headliner and producer on the Vacation Time Tour, and most recently was the only supporting act for Dimitri Martin through Florida. He has performed at festivals including the Cape Fear Comedy Festival, Free Press Summer Festival, Fun 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 Fest, and Come and Take a Comedy Festival. Based on the Myers-Briggs scale, Brian is an idealist. Lastly, he enjoys pizzas. Hey, Brian, thanks so much for being here, man. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, man. How are you? Oh, you know, just uh, just getting through it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. How's the weather down there in Florida? Uh, it's been hot. It's uh, you know, I'm here and everywhere else is getting cooler, but it's uh, it's pretty hot down here. I'm used to that, though. You know. Yeah. Great, man. Well, so here on the show, um, we start each week with one question, and I like to ask our guest, looking back, you know, through your life experiences up to this point, Mm -hmm. can you tell us in one word what you've experienced or how you feel up to this point going through life? Yeah. uh, I think if you went to one word, I kind of work. I think work is the best word for me because it's kind of always been a constant just building towards something. You know, um, I think there's always work to be put in to the stuff that you do and and there's always it's always a road to the goal you know what i mean yeah definitely that definitely that makes sense and looking back um because we kind of like to to look back um at people you know from from early on to to now and so looking back at your childhood um can Mm -hmm. you think of you know maybe some highlights or just a moment where you um that you kind of carried on to, uh, to, to now that kind of shaped who you are or, or, or what you've done. Sure. Um, yeah. I, childhood's a weird one because it's, uh, you know, uh, I moved around a lot as a kid, so I kind of was uh, everywhere. And I think a big thing for me that grew up, um, uh, a big thing that's influenced, especially what I do now in comedy and as a writer is like, I, I grew up kind of in front of a television. I think all of us did it, this kind of generation that we're at. I'm 35 years old. So I grew up on things like Nickelodeon. And um, I think that for me, like that's some of the the most fun is kind of just like getting into a story and just like letting it kind of sweep over you. I mean, I, I love riding my bike around the neighborhoods and stuff too, but uh, there's something about, TV that's kind of always been there for me. And uh, I don't know. I, I think that's why I'm a comedian. I think that's why I want to write stories and, you know, shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then, so looking back, um, was there like a, a certain show that, that you remember that you really like liked or that you really followed when you were younger? Yeah. I mean, like I, I definitely have like, 
I still have like those Nicktoons in my brain, like Rugrats and Doug. Um, I remember super young watching Ra- uh, Roundhouse. That uh, it was like a music slash comedy sketch show on Nickelodeon for kids. Yeah, and, like I just have like those feels. Like I, I, if I close my eyes and like try to be nostalgic, I just see the '90s. Like the '90s are so influenced into my brain at this point. Do you remember that one show? I, I want to say it was called Eat My Shorts. The yeah. They're, they're at camp. Yeah. 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 Uh, camp on Awana. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one. And then I remember um, I also um, all that, like the sketch show. Yeah. All that was huge. Uh, yeah. Pete, and, Pete and Pete was a big one for me where it was like, that probably influenced how I dressed all throughout my <laughs> life, like the the flannels and the just you know it's it's so punk rock, but it's for children. So I don't know. It, there's something so cool about that '90s stuff, right? Yeah, I hear you for sure. Um, and so I know, um, I know you said that you you were born in Kylene, but you grew up in Sugarland, Texas. Is that yeah, right? yeah. I so I uh, I was born there. I don't have any memories of Colleen, but uh, Sugarland, I was there until I was eight. Then I lived in New York for a little while, Chicago, and then moved back to Sugarland when I was 15. So I count Sugarland as probably the place I grew up the most. Right. So then you, you pretty much, for all purposes, you're, you're a Texan pretty much, right? Yeah, I would yeah. say so. I mean, I got some influences in some other places for a couple years, but mostly Texas. Um, I lived there until I was uh, 31 years old, I think. So I was there the most for sure. Right. Right. And, and so then, um, and for the audience that's listening, you know, we'll definitely cover um, Brian's uh, comedy career for sure. But I want to start yeah. out with um, just some, some initial stuff that I, I know he's done. So, so Brian, so I know um, you were a bouncer at Fitzgerald's, which is a, a really iconic club that used to be in Houston. It, it was actually torn down recently, but it was really a big, iconic music venue in Houston. Um, in I think it was uh, the Heights, right? Yeah, yeah, that one that was huge for me because that is a place that I kind of grew up in. When ever since I moved when I was 14, 15, like that is where I saw almost every show I went to, you know. Um, so when I got a job there, I got there that job after I started doing comedy. So it helped with that. It was being in a place of art while I was doing art. But yeah, it was like this is uh, this is the holy halls of punk rock for me, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was younger as well, because I, you know, initially I, I, I was in Houston for, for 30, 32 years of my life. So I, mm-hmm. I know it was a big venue. Um, and I remember, um, just remember this, this off the top of my head, like each Christmas time, 30 foot fall play there for their Christmas show. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, just so many bands that went through there and just such a cool vibe and just, yeah, a lot of fun times there. Um, yeah, I mean, Stevie Ray Vaughan had a song written about it. Um, I mean, it's it's a place that was there for so long. It's absolutely a travesty that it got taken down. Like, yeah. I know it was, it was a hard place to run after a while. And when I worked there, it was when uh, Pegstar and Free Press owned it. So it was we were actually getting really, really good shows. But after they started White Oak Music Hall, then it kind of got whatever. But... It's still it should it's still a shrine like it, it shouldn't not be there. It doesn't make sense to me, you know. 
Yeah, no, man, same here. And it's, you know, I, I know when I was, when I was there, um, I think it was early this year, or late last year, I um, remember going by there and I, yeah, I just, it just, I couldn't believe it wasn't there anymore. And it just, yeah, um, yeah it just, it really was travesty. Um, you know, I love Houston to death. That's one of the hugest problems with it though, is like, it doesn't keep those, those memories there, or at least it hasn't in the last like 10 years because, I, I don't know, like Montrose feels so different now and the Heights feels so different. And I guess that's just getting old and seeing stuff change. But it's like, yeah. I don't know. Houston had such important things that aren't there anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I definitely know what you're saying. Um, And so just because I, I, I feel like being – um you know, bouncer, a doorman is such an interesting job. So I have to ask you, I mean, do you have any like stories or just moments that you remember of being just like ridiculous or just customers that would come through? Sure. Um, I, I don't think I'm the best bouncer by any means. I definitely, um, I definitely would talk my way out of problems with people more than I would uh, be aggressive. Um, <laughs> aggressive wasn't my strong suit. We had, we had better bouncers for that, but uh I definitely have, you know, uh, I, I have been punched. I've, I've uh, maybe not punched, but threw my hands back at people. Um, there was a, I'm actually in a Riff Raff music video that he filmed live at Fitz. And uh, I'm getting punched in the face in that music video by one of his rowdy fans. So it's, wow. uh, it's yeah, it's, it's a silly uh, thing. And it's like. I'm good at getting punched because I probably didn't even notice it, but, uh, but yeah, I'm not, I'm definitely not, I'm better at like standing in front of a door and saying, don't go in there right? more, more than like getting in the crowd and like grabbing someone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That, that makes sense. Um, but you know, most of the stuff that comes through fits it's, it's chill. Like there's not going to be super rowdy stuff happening. Um, so mostly I just got to watch shows for free. Like that's what that job felt like to me nice yeah that's a yeah that's pretty cool because um i mean you know i think um seeing you because i you know i've seen you do comedy in houston and i've kind of followed you followed your work for a while and i think you definitely have this very like chill vibe about you so yeah i definitely see you being more of like the more of like let's talk this out versus like let's just get straight to yeah right (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah there was one time that i did get uh I guess beaten up is the right word, but uh, um, there was like a lo- local show that was happening and no one was there for the local people. Um, it was pretty empty and they were just like jumping on the stage the a way that would have hurt our, our speakers and stuff. So I just <laughs> said, Hey, can you use those stairs over there? And, uh, and they got in my face about it and I was like, all right, <laughs> whatever. Um, and then I told them, uh, or uh, somebody like, swung at me but missed and i was like all right you guys gotta leave and they f- went outside and i followed them and then like a fight broke out outside and i just i remember thinking like why is this happening for a show that nobody came to and then getting punched by like a couple people like four or five six people and not reacting to it in any way until somebody jumped on my back and knocked me on the ground. That's who I am as a fighter. I'm like, okay, I'll just, I guess I get hit a bunch. Um, right. <laughs> so like, yeah, until it's over. All right. And then I don't remember feeling hurt by it. I got a little bloody, but it was just like, all right, 
whatever, man. And then, uh, so like people that just hung out at the bar got them off of me. And I remember one of my co-bouncers was on our balcony and he said, uh, Hey man, I saw everything. If you need anyone to like talk to the cops for you, I'm like, you're a bouncer. Why you saw everything? Like what's happening here? Uh, so that was fit. <laughs> I don't think any of us knew how to react to fights and stuff. We were more we're, we're we were more ready for the indie bands than the aggressive stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's awesome. Um, so then during this time when you were working at Fitz, were you also doing comedy or, or had you not? Yeah. yeah so I worked in my twenties. I worked in oil for a long time. And then I, I just felt like I had to start comedy event. Like I knew it was something I, when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a filmmaker. Uh, that was a lot of work when I was in college. I wanted to be an author, but that was a lot of work and you don't get this like instant gratification out of it. So I would always like just put that stuff off. Uh, and I got that job doing oil. And then I don't know, something just made me want to start doing comedy. And I had always wanted to do it, but there was something that was like, you have to do it now or it's never going to happen. So mm. I, to do that, had to quit my job because I was working night shifts in a warehouse. And uh, so I did that. I just quit everything. I took out at uh, 27 years old, I took out my 401k and I got my retirement money, which was stupid, um, but it made sense for me at the time. And I like kind of took a summer off from working completely and just started comedy. And then when I needed to start working again, I started getting jobs like that. Like where are places that will let me do the least work so I can do the most work at comedy? Um, bouncing made sense. I delivered pizzas for a little while, like stuff like that. And it just let me focus on comedy and it gave me a lot of time to, uh, figure out what that was and what my voice was, stuff like that. And so then I know you mentioned, um, in your teenage years that itch was, was there, but I mean, er, what about earlier on? Like when you were younger, did you, did you also kind of like, comedy and want to pursue that or was that kind of like a teenager type type thing yeah i mean it was always there i was always like a storyteller for sure and um i don't think i really i got into stand-up like probably around 15 16 i remember exactly what it was it was uh the Nick Swartzen Comedy Central Presents 30-minute special. Right. Um, my friend and I used to watch it, like, every day. We taped it on a VHS, and after school, we'd just go over there, and, like, it got to the point where we were reciting it to each other. The jokes were just so funny to us. And um, when I was doing all those recitals of this special, like, that, oh, I'm this is just doing stand-up. It's not my jokes, but you're, like, learning how to just tell jokes in that way, and I I think ever since then, I was like, okay, this is something I'm going to do. Um, I just didn't realize that, I mean, once you do stand-up, you realize that the instant gratification is is amazing. Like, you get, you tell a joke and an audience reacts to it. Writing was so much harder for me because I would just sit on these things and be like, it's not done, it's not done, it's not done. No one's going to react to it because I'm not showing it to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And um, you would start your um, 
kind of initial dive when you when you're in Houston still. So I mean, kind of work, you know, trying to I mean, obviously you, you worked your way up through there, but just initially in the Houston comedy scene, like what was your experience starting and then eventually progressing and just learning, you know, in in that city? Yeah, uh, I think it's super important. Um I think that Houston is a huge city for comedy. It can be hard sometimes, but I think it's super important. The I think the most important thing about Houston comedy is its history. We had Bill Hicks. We had Sam Kinison. We had all these like important things. And I grew up going to The Last Stop, which unfortunately wasn't there when I started, but like, you know, so many people, Mitch Hedberg, Dan Cook, recorded albums there. Um, it's just there's so much history in that city. And then when I started, was pr- I, I did comedy twice, like from the months of April and May. And that's when I was still working, uh, doing oil. Um, so I could only go out like one time a week or one time a month even. I had to like request off at work to do it. So I went and did comedy twice. And then when I actually started in June is when Rudyard's started their their open mic, which obviously being a Houston comic, Rudyard's is one of the most important mics for sure. You know, like it's, it's great. And like, so I grew up in that where it was kind of younger comedians building up a scene and uh, doing comedy the way they thought they should do comedy. It wasn't kind of so entwined in club culture or older comics telling you how to do it. We, we kind of just did our own thing. And uh, I think that was important for me. I have a punk rock sensibility for myself. So I kind of needed it to, to do it the way I thought. But also doing comedy in the late 2000s and uh, early 2010s, it's like, well, there's a million podcasts that tell you how to do this. Mm-hmm. So you can find the ones that are telling you how to do it your way. You know what I mean? So I listen yeah like the nerdist and comedy bang bang back then and like just voraciously ate up all this like information about doing comedy and going to open mics and what it's supposed to be like and um you know i've i loved it from the day i started right right and then and so just kind of to your, to your earlier point i feel like houston itself because you know I, I was born there and i was raised there and i feel like houston um being, uh, I think right now it's the fourth largest, maybe the third largest, but I think, I think still sure. the fourth. But I, I think being such a big city in the, in the U.S., it really, in terms of, you know, art, like comedy or even film or even um, music, it kind of doesn't get noticed a lot. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure why, but at the same time, I just feel like, and maybe I have a little bit of, a little bit of bias there, but I feel like overall it, it really is a city that has so much to offer, but yet people, when they think of, you know, art and other things that they'd look at New York, LA, Chicago, but yet Houston just kind of doesn't seem to be like a, a top of the mind, you know, list maker yeah. for a reason. It's weird. It, you know, I, I've learned this through touring a lot too. It's like, you know, major cities are one thing and, and there's a lot of great ones. Uh, a lot of times you're going to find better art in college cities, though. So, like, it's obviously why Austin has a ton of music and a ton of comedy that's amazing is because their audiences allow that. Um, which, you know, I I think Houston has that, too. We had it with uh, 
the festivals that were put on by the secret group and the secret group shows and Rudyard's and all that kind of stuff kind of developed a stronger, younger audience for Houston. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've no, I've noticed that too. Like, you know, growing up in the music scene in Houston, you know, none of those bands totally break out. Um, Not the way that they do in other cities, I guess. And I don't know what that is. I really have not been able to put my finger on it. And, Part of it is kind of why, uh, you know, I got out of Houston was I was like just struggling with why, why isn't stuff take off here? Um, and everyone just ends up going to Austin or, you know, to L.A. or New York. And I totally understand why L.A. and New York are more important. You know, that's where industry is and mm-hmm. Houston just doesn't have industry. But then you start looking at places like Atlanta uh, where they're starting to have as much industry as LA and New York because it's easier to film there. So you can actually get real work in places like Atlanta. Um, I mean, Denver's got legal weed. So audience are, audiences are different in that respect. They go and see entertainment stuff more because of that. So yeah. it's like, all right, I don't know what's happening in Houston, but it is definitely different than other places right now, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, um, I know you mentioned that um, you, you know, you would go on and currently you, you live in Florida, but so, yeah. and I, I, you kind of mentioned this earlier, but I, I guess, so besides just kind of, you know, I guess wanting to leave Houston in a way, what else kind of spurred that move to, uh, you know, to Florida? Yeah, it's hard to ex- explain that one. Um, like, I think I was getting tired of being in the same place I had been for so long. So I just need to go somewhere else. Um, but comedy isn't at a point where I can just live anywhere, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I not in a place job wise because I had focused so much on comedy. Like, I'm not just going to find like an amazing job that gives me LA money or New York money. Um, Florida was somewhere I had toured to a bunch and I really, really enjoyed the shows that I had done there. Um, And then Gainesville, Florida is like a punk rock city where it's got like a lot of history for me. There's a lot of bands from there that I love. Um, I have family in Jacksonville and then Orlando is a really cool big city. So I was like doing all the math on paper of places I wanted to go that made sense financially, but also like, had scenes that I enjoyed and had things that I wanted to do. And Florida made the most sense at that time. I, I think my other place that I would have gone was Denver. Uh, Cause I've really enjoyed the shows I've done there, but uh, Denver is a little more expensive. So I was like, all right, Florida. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also Florida is, has a similar climate to Houston. So Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely, and I've learned this since I've moved here, is it, it definitely feels like Texas scenes. Like, you have your Austin and Gainesville, you have your San Antonio in uh, Tallahassee, you have, you know, Houston feels like Jacksonville very much to me. It's a huge city uh, size-wise. There's a lot of commute and stuff like that. The audiences are very similar to Houston, where it is like a working type people it's not college kids or anything like that um orlando is weird it's a weird city because a lot of people are uh going there for vacation type stuff so you see new audiences all the time which is actually really cool but also like you can't develop a base there Mm -hmm. right and 
And do you, so this question is kind of, I guess it's kind of applying to, to not just Florida or Houston, but do you feel like, do you feel like, you know, this move or that move and then just in it, just initially being somewhere else, did that mm-hmm. kind of change the, the way you wrote or did you kind of keep to, to that same mythology for writing your material and just being able to, to, to even though be around a new audience, there wasn't much change into how you approached your, your craft. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that that evolved on its own. It didn't really get affected by the place. Um, but I will say that after I moved, I started writing more, a little more one-linery than I was uh, in Texas. I was much more story-based, uh, but I kind of like started building faster jokes in, in Florida um, as well as stories. So I kind of mix it up. Um, you know, I've done a lot of touring since I moved to Florida. So you kind of have to keep doing the stuff that you always were doing. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to do your A material. So it's like, I wouldn't say that I've written as much as I've written when I was in Texas, but that's just because of the state of how I'm doing comedy now where I need to do longer sets and I have to do my old jokes, you know? Right. Um, so it, I don't know that the move affected the style, but the style is definitely growing in a different way. Right. Which, yeah, that, that makes sense. And then so, and so I know obviously, you know, you've done a lot of different shows and you've toured and worked with different people, but Look, looking back, um, can you think of, you know, maybe like a, a favorite show or, or, you know, comedian that stands out that you worked with or just something, you know, it, it, it can just be like a memorable, memorable one that you kind of think about and you, and you always just like gravitate toward, gravitate towards for, you know, a story or just like a, a nostalgic type type feel. Sure. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'll admit that like I started comedy after, Kyle Kinane's first album because Kyle Kinane was amazing. And he, the way he told stories and jokes was very much how I wanted to in my head. And I decided that that's, you know, this is the time to do this is because this album is amazing. And it's kind of just sparked something in me. And since then, since I started comedy, I've gotten to perform with Kyle a bunch of times. Um, and he's he's still definitely one of my favorite comedians. He's definitely one of my favorite shows to do because his audience is going to hit every reference I make. That's the biggest worry for a comedian like me is like, is my stuff going to go over these people's heads because it makes a reference to this band or this movie or whatever. Like Kyle's audience is just it, the Venn diagram of my audience and Kyle's would be exactly the same. So I love doing his shows and I, he's also just a cool dude that I want to hang around. Like he's fun to talk to. So I would definitely say Kyle's been the coolest stuff I've done. Uh, But in general, like I just love doing festivals. Festivals are so fun because every comedian in the country, uh, like just comedians from all over the country are there and you just get to build a network of like, like-minded people that approach comedy the same way as you do. And now, you know, I can go to all these different places all over the country because this thing brought us together. So I love that too. Right. Right. And, and, you know, it seems like, and again, you know, I'm kind of an outsider in the industry. I mean, I, I do appreciate and like comedy, but uh, you're definitely more on the inside, but it it tends to me like tends to be that, you know, comedy um, as much as it, as much as it is, um, people different comics are trying to you know make their name and you know spur on their their career and their experience. It does seem like there's a very like uh, 
fostering community of people that even though they're, for example, you know, at the mic, it might seem like everyone's going for stage time, but at the same time, I think you guys tend to kind of, you know, talk and network and it's not just about trying to be the best. It's about fostering that sense of community. Is that, is that right? I think so. I mean, every, the reality of the situation is there's a lot of networking and chances to grow in that way, but it never looks that way for, from the outside looking in. Like if, uh, if somebody who was just in the audience saw comedians talking to each other, it's just joking around and there's a lot of like inside jokes and stuff that doesn't make sense, but the networking is still there somehow. It's still like, well, I like being around this person. Um, I like the way that they do comedy, obviously, you know, we're all, we all judge each other's jokes at all times in the sense of like, well, this is good. Or, you know, I, as a comedian, I probably never laugh at an open mic, but I'm still like, this is funny or this is not funny in my head. And then when I'm booking a show that comes up, you know, so there is a lot of that in, in the sense of like, that's kind of a network. Um, being cool to hang around and just not being someone who's like either too aggro or too, um, uh, I don't know. I don't, you know, just being bearable to be around is a huge thing in comedy because you're going to have to be around those people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I don't think that, you know, I've seen clicks and stuff like that come up. I don't think that that really matters. I, I know that that can be daunting for a new comedian because you see people that are in these groups of friends, but you just keep doing it. You keep honing your craft. Uh, that's my big thing is just like, take the time you need to get better and better at open mics. And then they'll come to you. It's, it's the field of dreams. You know, they're going to want fresh people to tell jokes on their shows. Um, so, you know, just take your time. Um, I, I say that to any new comedian. I, I, I think that that's super important is not to be feel bad at an open mic early on. And so as someone, you know, as a comic who's um, obviously you've toured and you've got on the road and you've, uh, you know, done festivals and different shows. And so I think, again, people in the audience, people are just, they're just fans. Um, you know, obviously they know comics tour and they just think of like, okay, you know, like car rides and different clubs and all that. But I mean, as someone who's done it, I mean, what's something that, the general fan or, or audience member that doesn't really understand about a comic who tours and, and life on the road. Like, it, like what, I guess, can you give us like, you know, a behind the scenes glance or just any, any kind of story you want to share? I mean, it's, it's the best thing I've ever done, but it's, it is, it is boring. It's not, you know, you, I've, I've headlined tours, but I've mostly been like a feature on tours and the way that I tour and the people I tour with, do it in a very punk rock way. It is just getting in the car, driving from like rock club to rock club or places like that places uh, to do comedy. And I guess uh, quotation marks alternative way, but I don't really see it as an alternative. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of driving and listening to music that the other person probably is like thinking in their head, this sucks. And then, <laughs> and then them taking the ox cord and you'd be like, man, this sucks. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of eating trashy food in places uh, on the way 
because you're not, you're, you're always like, we're going to get there two hours early and explore the town. And then you are like, well, map says I'm going to get there 15 minutes before the show starts. So you have to eat hot dogs in this gas station, you know? Um, So it's, it's, it's still the best thing in the world though. And it's so weird because with, you know, if you're in a band, you're going to go to a place and you're going to play for an hour and then that's that. Um, but with comedy, you get there. And if you're like the feature, you do 30 minutes of comedy or 20 minutes of comedy or whatever. You know, if it's a festival, you do a 10 minute spot on a show and then you're in this foreign place to you. And mm-hmm. it's like, I did 10 minutes of work and now I'm here. And it's so weird because the way you explain it, it doesn't sound that fun, but it's it's the best thing. See, meeting new people and meeting new comics is a blast, but meeting new fans is even better. And then, yeah, I can't, I, I you know, if you have the chance, I, I say this to anyone, like if you can figure out a way to get on the road and do some shows, do it because it changes the way you do comedy. Um Telling your jokes over and over again for a full week or two two weeks or a month makes them so much better. It's so because you just get that repetition in that you wouldn't be able to get in at, at doing open mics in town, you know? Right. And also, I know because, um, again, I, I kind of followed you um, and the different things that you were doing as far as shows and, and festivals sure. and projects. And so I know at one point you were selling merch on the road, right? Yeah, I've, I mean, I've done T-shirts on the road. I've gotten, I've done other little dorky things. I've done stickers, and uh, this year I made like candles for a run of shows. Um, merch is, I mean, it all it all goes back to like I'm doing this like a punk kid. Like right. to me, you have to have shirts and stuff. Like that's what I would have bought if I were at a show. So I want that available, and I did it as cheap and punk rock as I could. I screen printed them myself in my friend's art studio so that I could cut down the cost. And um, I love it. I love having merch and stuff to sell. I love when people buy it, but you know, it's, it's also comedian merch. So it's like not the coolest merch you could buy. Right. No, but I, I mean, it's pretty cool that like, cause I, I feel like with anything in life, you know, if you have a passion for it and you love to do it, then like it shows in different ways. And I think having merch and, you know, just having pride in like, your your craft and your and your uh your passion it kind of says that so no I, th- I think it's pretty cool and um i remember when i was younger um and i you know i was playing a couple different bands in houston and i had friends who were in bands it's like everyone had like their merch like buttons or like shirts or something yeah. you know so it's just it's just cool to see um yeah yeah i i mean i love it i love the idea of having a merch table my the guy i tour with in altercation comedy jt abrasat he kind of taught me how to like do that merch stuff like to because he's he's always had a lot of merch on the road in a very good way and and people buy it up because the people that go and see us are people that buy merch they there are people that go to rock shows and buy merch they're gonna go buy merch at our shows so it makes sense to have it because not having it is only an opportunity to not get paid. Having it, even if no one buys it, the opportunity was still there, you know? Yeah. And sometimes, you know, $10, $15, or $20 is uh, is a meal at the end of the night. It's it's choosing a gas station hot dogs again over an actual restaurant, you know? So yeah. even if you only sell one shirt, that's still, that's still good food. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, as you might know, um, the, the person podcast, our show is, um, you know, it's definitely about the people in the world like yourself who are doing things and have a passion and have an interest in, um, in whatever, you know, whatever they're, they're doing in their life. And so part of that is just kind of showcasing how experiences or, um, communication with different people or just, you know, being around people, um, in their day to day life, you know, how that translates to who they are as a person or, you know, what they've learned. And so, um, looking back at, you know, what you've done in comedy and even going back to when you were working, uh, if it's in Houston and just your, your entire life, really, mm. can you kind of share, um, the biggest lesson or, or one lesson that you learned from people or, or about people? You know, I think to wax a little philosophical about this, this has definitely been the weirdest year of my life. And I think that is because I don't really get to be around people. Um, that's That's been kind of a hurt because comedy, especially for the last eight years that I've been doing it, was always this source of being in a community. Um, and then I kind of grew up in that too. That that was, I was in the music community in high school. I had like a large group of friends that always did stuff together. So it was like, I think, I think that's the most important thing that you can offer to art is like-minded people is a community of people that want to do it in a similar way. Um, comedy, especially because you are doing shows with other people. It's, it's not, I mean, of course there are one man shows and that's something that you can eventually do, but it's not something you do when you start. So growing a community for comedy is super duper important because if everyone's good, then the shows are amazing. If I only care about myself and how I do comedy, which happens sometimes, sometimes I do only care about myself. But if I only do that and I don't help other people grow, if I don't offer them the opportunity to grow, then nobody's going to come to the shows for just me. And especially not just me every week for three years when I'm not writing material as fast as I could be, you know? So yeah. if I'm doing the same jokes over and over again, that's why I've always, when I started comedy right away, I got into booking because it was like, well, we all need this up. Everyone around me, these younger comics need an opportunity to do this. I need an opportunity to do this as well. Um, that's, uh, you know, if I book shows, I give everyone that opportunity. We all get that opportunity together, or at least five of us one night and then a new five the next night. Um, and it's super important. I, it's super important to push everyone because then everyone grows together and it becomes stronger in that way. I, you know, I think Houston did that. I, it did, Houston definitely did that with the secret group. It did it with Rudyard's. It did it with the last stop. Um, Houston's always had a good way of creating a community and comedy in general is always going to have a community around it. You know, Jacksonville is definitely the smallest place I've ever lived and we have the least comedians, but of, of places I've been, but there's a great community involved in that and we all promote each other and push each other. So I think that's important. Yeah, definitely. Um, it definitely sounds like it. And, um, yeah, I think it just goes to show again, you know, um, uh, in, in in different industries or you know crafts or whatever you want to call it, there's uh you know people and community are are so so important. So thanks for sharing that. Um, of course. 
And so I wanted to, um, you know, as we approach um, kind of the end of the show here, I, I, I wanted to just, um, so I, I know that you're, um, I'm sure you're on different social media, but where can people follow you for just, um, you know, at, whether it's, you know, um, just announcements or just following like, sure. your, yet your shows or just whatever else you, you know, you want to share. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm Brian Zeal on everything at Brian Zeal on Twitter and Instagram. And I think Brian dash Zeola on Facebook. Um, I think the best places to follow me are Instagram and Facebook. Personally, I'm on Twitter. Um, but I get a little fed up with Twitter. Sometimes it's a little too short formatted for me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere in that sense. I've got all the regular social media. So just look up my name. Great. Awesome. And um, yeah, I assume also um, people can probably Google you and uh, they'll find something. Um, yeah. 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 I've, I've, I've got a unique enough name that I don't have to worry about other people coming up in a Google search. Luckily um, I'm sure if you just Google Brian, you won't find me, but right. uh, <laughs> my SEO is not that good. Um. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I was, um, as I was kind of uh, preparing for this, for today's show, I realized that, I don't think I've met anyone or really talked to anyone that's been in disease. So, I mean, in, in school, I'm sure you were like at the end of the roll call. So that must've been. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was the worst. It's, <laughs> it's just waiting all the time, you know? <laughs> cool, man. Anything else that you want to throw out or discuss or. Um... No, I mean, um, you know, go see local shows uh, wherever you are. When it comes back, I guess is the way to put it. it you right. know, I've, I've got a show next week here in Jacksonville and it's very tepid of how much I really actually want to do it, but uh, we're going to see how it goes. And, you know, if you're out there and doing shows, be safe, I guess that's important to me uh, that we do this right so that we can keep doing it forever. Uh, But otherwise, if you don't want to come to shows right away, come to shows eventually and enjoy comedy because comedy is important to me it's important to a lot of people i think uh it'll make you feel better probably (laughs) yeah definitely i think it definitely will um well brian uh thanks so much for being here today i really appreciate it um it was great to talk to you and um yeah i you know i everyone's listening please do um follow brian um and um i know he's also on youtube he has a couple clips on youtube so yeah Check him out if you if you do not already know him, and uh, I think you will be think you will be content with um, yeah this stuff. So again, Brian, thanks so much, and um, everyone, we'll be back next week with another guest on uh, the Person Podcast. So till then, take care. <laughs> <laughs>